we're talking about women, an empowering woman. Over 3 billion people on planet Earth cook with charcoal, fossil fuels as the only way to feed their families. Those 3 billion people, you know who feeds the world? Every time you read about it's always chefs who seem they are the top chefs in the cities. But can I tell you who feeds the world? Who is in every little town that has no name? It's always women. Women are the ones feeding the world. belongs to the pioneering chef and humanitarian Jose Andres, renowned for his culinary skills, compassionate crisis response initiatives, and unwavering commitment to addressing global hunger and poverty. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa Bennett, communications director and the writer behind the Conference in Your Inbox newsletter. Welcome to Women Amplified from the Conferences for Women. Today's episode features an extraordinary keynote from the 2023 Pennsylvania Conference for Women. Chef Jose Andres, founder of the World Central Kitchen, sat down for an intimate chat with Leisha Ward, strategic advisor to Target, the national lifestyle sponsor of the Conferences for Women. Together, they discuss Andres' effort to tackle global hunger, his approach to crisis response through culinary innovation, and his commitment to forging new paths in humanitarian aid. We hope you'll be inspired by Andre's compassion and dedication, embracing the power of empathy to live our best lives with purpose, both in our communities and beyond. Let's get started. Well, we are about to have a conversation that will be food for our souls. So, I really appreciate you all giving us your full attention. You are in for a real treat. Jose, you are, of course, an extraordinary human, a world-renowned chef. He has four Michelin stars, over 30 restaurants worldwide. You are an author, a podcast host. You're also a humanitarian, a dad, a partner, so many extraordinary things. And so I'd like to have our conversation start back in the early days, okay? Okay. You came over to the United States at the early age of 21 as an immigrant with the equivalent of about $50 in your pocket, which is extraordinary, and built your business empire and became an expert philanthropic uh, icon in hunger relief. I'm just curious, given the journey that you've been on, you've learned so much about leadership and perseverance and determination. What would be some of the leadership lessons that you could share with all of us? Wow. I always say that every one of us, every one of you, we are who we are thanks to the people that surround who we are. In the present, in the past, people that sometimes forget, people that sometimes you have to be a grown-up person to have memories. And to realize that that person was a far away more influential person in your life than you ever thought. And I will say that early memories, and unfortunately something I realized when I became much older, but will be my mom. Life is complicated, right? And, and I didn't have what I would say the best relationship with my mom. 
but this, nobody could give more thanks to who I am today than my mom. And often, now that she's not any longer with us, I maybe have a regret that I wish I did. And that's why I always tell everybody, use open up your mind and your heart, especially to those people that they help you be who you are. But my mom was an excellent cook. She was a, the cook at home Monday through Friday. My father helped. My three brothers and I, we helped. But my father was more the weekend cook. But my mom, she will be this magician that at the end of the month, when there was no more money, and my father and mother had to wait for the next paycheck, she will go into the fridge. And you know when sometimes the fridge, when you go to Best Buy or Target, and you buy a new, a new fridge and it's empty? At the end of the month, the fridge looked like this in my house. And my mom will be able to get the last remaining little piece from the roasted chicken and half a boiled egg. And out of nothing, she will make this bechamel with flour and milk. She will add the chopped chicken and the chopped egg. And she will make these amazing croquetas with the bread that was left over during the week. She will use the coffee grinder to make the bread crumbs. That's why the coffee in my house was always very thick. <laughs> and my mom will make those croquetas that to this day, if you ask my brothers and I, what, what is the most amazing memories was us helping my mom making the croquetas, us helping my mom fry the croquetas, but especially sitting down and making sure that everybody got the right amount of croquetas equally between the brothers. <laughs> there was not only my mom showing me what a talented cook she was, but was my mom also the loving mother feeding us, even when sometimes at the end of the month was, again, no more money left. She was showing us as a cook that now I am a humanitarian. I didn't realize that she was the person that in me made me understand that we can do a lot, even when we feel we have nothing. So I would say that my mom in these early parts of my life was the person that planted the seed on me of knowledge is power. Many years later, in 1993, I was in different low-income parts of Washington, D.C., sharing the croquetas story and the croquetas recipe of my mother with families that they needed knowledge about how to feed their families without spending a lot of money. If you think about it, life is a beautiful story that sometimes we forget to connect the dots. But now I understand why my mom taught me when I was a young boy, six, seven, eight-year-old boy, that story. That croquetas recipe, I've been able to bring that story to many other parts of my life, in this case, in a low-income neighborhood, in Washington, D.C., that I know now, many of the people are passing the legacy of my mom. And what's so powerful about that is you also found a way to build a connection to that community, right? A way for them to see that you, in many ways, were more alike than different. And what a beautiful story to celebrate not only your mother, but so many of the moms in this room who are making a way out of no way for their families as well. Really powerful. I love that story. And the connection to something you said, too, about your mom teaching you about being able to feed people, right? It seems to me that you've always been sort of called to that, feeding people, connected to your purpose in a way. Why is that uh, beyond this 
sort of lesson from your mother? Do you think you've been called into that vocation? Well, I think my father told you that he would cook on the weekends and he would cook for everybody who will come. My father will not keep track of who they will invite. And my mom, who was the one that had to make sure everything will work. How many people you invited? I don't know, the 30. My father for that was a very easy guy in, in his answers. He always thought that big problems have very simple solutions. So when sometimes my mom or my brothers and I will tell, but daddy, how many people are coming? If more people come, what do we do? No problem. We only add more rice to the pan. <laughs> but for me, it was a moment that was very iconic in my life. I arrived in Washington, D.C. in 1993. And three years later, 1996, was a building, red brick mortar building. And they were doing construction. And somebody found the belongings, boxes, of somebody. That somebody was a woman that used that red brick building as the home and as the office. That red brick mortar building was the house where this woman created the office of the missing soldier's office. One person, a nurse, like my mom, that thought that we had to be bringing light to what happened to the many people that perished or disappeared during the American Civil War. That woman was Sarah Barton. That's the woman that also created the American Red Cross. And this is kind of a very early example in my life that I saw this person, this woman, like my mom, she put her knowledge not only to take care of the few, but her knowledge on her way to see the world to help the many. We all do have that talent. In a way, she's a person, even I never met her, because already her story is distant, that she also planted the seed and sent a message saying, we all have a talent. Who do you send to stop a fire when there is one in the city, the firefighters? Who do you send to take care of the wounded after explosion or in a war zone? Doctors and nurses. Who do you think will be the best person you can send to feed people after an emergency? You see, again, a big problem sometimes have simple solutions. Clara Barton, in a way, they, after I began reading and knowing more about her, she showed me that, that sometimes every one of us, every one of you have that talent to do so much more. You only have to believe in yourself. Clearly, you have believed in yourself. And I'm struck and moved by how you have been called into serving during disasters and crises, right? Trying to make sure that people are fed and nourished in some of the most challenging times of their lives. And in fact, you said something here you once recorded to say something about being a chef makes you uniquely qualified for disaster relief and crisis. What do you mean by that? Well, okay. All of you go to restaurants, right? I do. Raise your hand if you go to a restaurant once a week. <laughs> Welcome, people. We need you. <laughs> I have cookbooks, but the recipes don't really work. <laughs> Why I want you to cook at home when I need you to come to my restaurant? I've been to lots of restaurants, and they're all fabulous, I might add. But restaurants are places that they can be very chaotic. It's a lot of chaos in a restaurant. 
on a Friday night. You know, everybody has garlic and shrimp. With no garlic, I know it's shrimp. <laughs> and on top of that, I cannot pronounce it's shrimp. <laughs> yeah, you tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> restaurants are this place that you can plan all you want. And we all live life with a plan. And sometimes life doesn't come with instructions. You tell me. I very became a husband and it's like, how, how is the instructions to be a good husband? You become a father. What are the instructions to be a good father? And very often we are all trained and prepared to follow a plan. The plan of life. What happens when things don't go as planned? That we fail. Because sometimes we stop. Because we've been trained all our lives to follow that plan. And when we don't see the door in an easy way, we freeze. We need to start embracing the complexities of the moment in our private lives, in our families, in our communities, in our work. And we need to embrace that complexity and start talking about adaptation. Let's adapt to every moment. Let's adapt to every situation. Let's make sure that every time something happens, it's a moment for us to raise above the issue we are trying to solve. And for that, let me tell you, and not because I am in a conference for women, but if you ask me who is the most capable people in the world, not to follow a plan, but to adapt, I have all of you in front of me. Women are ready to adapt to any circumstance. I've seen it with my mom. I've seen it with my grandmas. I've seen it with my wife. Adaptation will win the day. That's why we need more women up there in places of power, from companies to countries. Yeah. Guys, we've been running the world away with too many men. And take a look at the message we are creating. So what every one of you is waiting for, to run for every single office. Republicans or Democrats? Independents, I don't care. We need you up there helping us adapt to the lives and moments we are living. Amen. Can I have the crowd say amen? Amen. You're listening to a conversation with Jose Andres and Laisha Ward on Women Amplified. If you're looking for more interesting people and inspiration for your life and career, You'll find it at the March 14th National Conference for Women. This first ever nationwide virtual gathering of the Conferences for Women community happens on Thursday, March 14th, and tickets are now on sale at conferencesforwomen.org. Hear from amazing women like legendary author Margaret Atwood, actor and advocate America Ferrara, and Vanity Fair Editor-in-Chief Radhika Jones, among over a dozen more brilliant leaders, thinkers, and artists. Tickets and more information at conferencesforwomen.org. Now, let's get back to the conversation. I love that. Adaptive leadership, so important. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about that at Target as well. It's important to have adaptive leadership qualities. And I do agree that more women leaders make a big difference in an organization and in the world. And we have a lot of extraordinary women leaders here. You are adapting. I am. Are you going to help me give a big round of applause? She's been working at Target for 32 years. Yeah. And she's retiring next year. <laughs> and still she has another lifetime ahead of her. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I already you. know somebody should be running for office. <laughs> 
Thank you very much. She and I were just talking. We're the same age, by the way. So he's my brother from another mother. And I shared with him that on Tuesday, I did announce after 32 years, I'll be retiring in April. And so I'm excited to adapt and have another chapter. So I'm feeling very blessed and grateful and highly favored to think about the ways that I can continue to have an impact in the world. So very kind of you to turn that spotlight on me, not to you as well, but I'm going to turn the spotlight back on you. Okay. And it's a spotlight that's so well-deserved because I've been following you for a long time. And I was so inspired by the work that you've been doing in Ukraine. Just yet another example of where you go to where there is such extraordinary need. And when you go into these places, it must be difficult to know exactly what to do when you hit the ground because there's so much sort of chaos. And to your point, adaptive leadership is likely a component of that. But how do you figure out what to do first? Such a complicated situation. And then how do you also continue to engage and inspire and mobilize your teams? Because they have to be there for an extended period of time, providing those critical services in incredibly dangerous settings. Yeah. So in my life has been beyond my restaurants and my family, and especially my wife, who I will not lie to you if I don't tell you everything I am today. It wouldn't be happening if I didn't have my wife, Patricia, next to me. Because she gave me the freedom to do things, but not use the freedom. Uh, The wise words and the support and and the wisdom and the whispers in the ear. Yeah. Yeah. Without my wife, I wouldn't do much of what I've ever done. But organizations for me were important. Is This is Central Kitchen. Anybody from Washington, D.C. here, Maryland or Virginia? I love you too. <laughs> this is Sandra Kitchen. I arrived as a young cook, and I'm not going to make it long. But anytime any one of you is in DC, please visit DC Sandra Kitchen. This was funded by a man called Robert Egger. He's retired now. And he's the guy that told me that philanthropy seems always is about the redemption of the giver, when philanthropy must be about the liberation of the receiver. This is a big phrase powerful phrase. We all do good, but we must all do smart good. So this organization was great because it was fighting food waste. But more important, we were fighting not wasting people's life. And this organization will get people out of the streets, sometimes drug addicts. One of the early teachers was, she's not any longer with us, uh, Marianne Ali. She became like a sister to me. She was a woman that came from the streets, turned her life around, and became the one teaching everybody coming from the streets or from Yale in how they could be themselves, agents of change for themselves and for the community. So this is Andrew Kitchen did that. Food waste, giving opportunity to people, training them to be cooks, putting everything together, in the process producing 10, 20,000 meals a day, and feeding the community. And in the process, restaurants like me, we could be hiring those amazing people. One dollar to give opportunity to people, one dollar to train people, one dollar to rescue food waste, one dollar to feed the homeless, one dollar to employ people around the city. One dollar multiply five, ten times. Collective impact, really amazing collective impact. And this showed me the power of food to change the world, one community at a time. World Central Kitchen use happened because... I was too comfortable when I was watching the horrors of after hurricanes, New Orleans, Katrina, Category 5 hurricane, 
thousands of Americans, low nine, forgotten. No way to go help. No activation for adaptation because the plans were no longer feasible. But we had tens, thousands of people in the Superdome and we forgot about them. Do you know what the Superdome is? An arena, a stadium? Everybody thinks it's a place for sports or music, but everybody's wrong. An arena, a baseball stadium, an NFL stadium is a gigantic restaurant that entertains with the sports and music. <laughs> Everybody's sitting hot dogs in the baseball stadium. <laughs> so imagine if we were able to go activate the community, people that were stranded there and just open the same places that in the good times are feeding, but now transforming those places to feed people in need. And you've been doing that in the United States and all over the world. This is how World Kitchen began. I watched from the comfort of my home how Katrina was unfolding. I didn't go. I was younger, not like I could escape my work. But then Haiti happened, 2010, one of the biggest earthquakes in the history. Hundreds of thousands of people die. Devastating. Devastation beyond imagination. I went there on my own with two friends with one simple idea. Not to help, but let me go to learn. Mm. And that's how the beginning of World Central Kitchen was. That's extraordinary. To go to emergencies. The latest one, we are right now helping feed people in Israel. They lost life and because the, the Hamas attack. We are also in Gaza helping Palestinians. We are providing support from Egypt. At the end, we are building longer tables. We all are one. We all need to wish for others what we wish for our own. What World Central Kitchen does is trying to build longer tables. It's such a powerful message, building longer tables. Food as a source of unification, nourishment. As I said earlier, we're going to be nourishing our souls here. And you're teaching us about nourishing not only our own souls, but the souls of others. And it's a really powerful message. I would say that some of the ways that you've done that successfully is through one of your gifts, which is storytelling. You do an extraordinary job of taking things that are complex and at times divisive and humanizing it. And I do think it's through powerful storytelling that people can begin to find ways of connecting. And you have a whole business around that. You have a production company and are doing a lot of amazing things to share powerful stories that engage and inspire us and give us hope and inspiration. So could you tell us a little bit about storytelling and why you have that business? So we mentioned about Wall Central Kitchen. If anybody wants to learn more about Wall Central Kitchen, at Disney Plus, Ron Howard, the amazing director, did the story of Wall Central Kitchen. So it's called We Feed People. Very simple name. It's beautiful. And there you're going to see the work of the men and women of Wall Central Kitchen all across America and especially all across the world now. But I do believe storytelling is important. I'm not a good painter. I'm not a good writer. You see my English. My daughters tell me when I was young, when I was a younger dad going to school, daddy, please speak Spanish to us and we'll <laughs> translate. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, as an immigrant, my love, I know the country I come from and I know also the country I belong. I'm a very proud immigrant. I feel I've been all my time, all my life an immigrant. And I believe immigrants like me, even I felt an immigrant in Spain growing up, because in the moment you move from one region to another, even if Spain, it's like you are an immigrant. In a way, we are all immigrants. It's beyond 
flags and borders. But immigrants, we all have the responsibility to build bridges. So right now, for example, I have this amazing show on CNN, and this is a commercial, which is called Jose Andres and Family in Spain. Not very creative name. No, but it's lovely. It's with feminism. But tells the story of the country I came from. But also tells the story of three daughters <laughs> who are rolling their eyes every time their dad speaks. <laughs> so I invite you to watch it. It's on Sundays at 9 p.m. It's lovely. But then there's many more stories we need to be telling. You know one story I want to be telling and we don't know. We're talking about a woman, an empowering woman. Over 3 billion people on planet Earth cook with charcoal, fossil fuels as the only way to feed their families. Those 3 billion people, you know who feeds the world? Every time you read about it's always chefs who seem they're the top chefs in the cities. But can I tell you who feeds the world? Who is in every little town that has no name? It's always women. Women are the ones feeding the world. And what we need to make sure that in the process of feeding the world, women are no poorer. Because it's very important that they are not, because very often they are the mother of their family, if not all the time. And cannot be that in the process of feeding their families, many women die because they inhale the smoke. They overspend money because the charcoal keeps burning and they over buy charcoal to feed the families when they are only making $3 a day but they are spending 20, 30, 40 cents a day to cook one meal. Deforestation, young girls don't go to school. Why? Because they send them to the forest to pick up the wood. They get in danger. They don't receive education. So one of the biggest issues we are going to be facing that we can make a huge difference in ending hunger and poverty and empowering women around the world is investing in clean cook stoves to every single family around the world, that women are the ones carrying the burden of feeding those families. This is the ways we can be telling stories to change the world, but really making it happen with boots on the ground. Thank you very much. In fact, we unfortunately have run out of time. We have to wrap, but I'm going to squeeze in one more question that I think is really important to share with this incredibly connected community, which is on hope and optimism. We want to end on hope and optimism and activation. So from your perspective, how can we continue to inspire this community to really move from, I'd like to help, actually helping? What are some words of wisdom that you would share and provide about how we can use our gifts, our talents, and our treasures to make a difference in our communities? Please wrap up. Please wrap up. This is popping up quick. <laughs> uh, listen, I think that you are already here listening to leaders of the community, people that you can be inspired by, I think that's one amazing step. But I think it's time to start putting the boots on the ground. It's time that we stop clapping so much and start making things happen. It's the moment that we need to start really building longer tables where everybody is welcome. That what is good for your family must be good for the other family. That we understand that we need to give the dignity that we want to receive that we need to give the empathy that we want to receive. And that if we respect each other and we stop clapping so much every time somebody gives a speech, but we make sure that that speech is followed with actions on the ground, 
that's the way we can have a chance to start making real change. Big speeches at the United Nations for the last 60 years has not end hunger and poverty. Actually, it seems that hunger and poverty keeps growing. We need to make sure that we make our leaders, in a good way, accountable of their promises. Promises need to follow action. Action with boots on the ground that show real success. All together, we can do this. We all should be part of the solution. Thank you very much. Here's to not only our words, but to our actions. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this talk between Jose Andres and Leisha Ward. To hear more from Conferences for Women speakers year-round for free, tune in to Women Amplified. And I would be remiss in my job as newsletter editor if I didn't encourage you to subscribe to the conference in your inbox, which features original interviews with fascinating women every month. It's free and it's easy to get on the list at conferencesforwomen.org slash subscribe. The Conferences for Women is the largest network of women's conferences in the nation, drawing more than 55,000 women and men to annual events in Boston, Philadelphia, Austin, and California. And this Women's History Month, online. I'm Lisa Bennett, and this is Women Amplified from the Conferences for Women. Thanks so much for listening.